Jeremiah chapter 5, we're going to start reading at verse 20. Jeremiah chapter 5 verse 20 reads, Declare this in the house of Jacob, and publish it in Judea, saying, Hear now this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord? Will ye not tremble at my presence, which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual degree, that it cannot pass it, and through the waves thereof toss themselves. Yet can they not prevail through they roar, yet they cannot pass over it. But this people hath a revolting and a rebellious heart. They are revolted and gone. Neither say they in their heart, Let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest." Notice verse 25. Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. For among my people are found wicked men, they lay wait. And he that sitteth snares, they sit a trout, they catch men. Has a cage is full of birds, so are their houses full of deceit. Therefore they are become great and waxed and rich. They are waxed and fat, they shine, yea, they overpass the deeds of the wicked. They judge not the cause, the cause of the fatherless. Yet they prosper, and the right of the needy to do they not judge. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? Let's pray. Matthew, would you please pray for us? Amen. Here in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 25, the Bible says again, Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. Now we realize here in the book of Jeremiah who God's talking to. He's talking to His people. And we're God's people. Now we're not the nation of Israel, but we're God's people. And once again... As we read this, read this scripture, there's things there, some things that God said, uh, uh, have, Fear ye not me that have placed the sand at the bounds of the sea? Fear ye not me? He goes on down and he talks about how uh, uh, the, the one that giveth the rain, that giveth the harvest. And he said, there, Your iniquities have turned away these things. And once again in the day and hour that we live, today is Easter Sunday. In our nation as a whole, today, Easter, I remember being just a little boy, Easter was a big deal. I mean, a big deal. If you're going to go see family on Easter, you better buy you some gas before dark on Saturday. Because they ain't going to be nothing open. Back then, they wasn't no Walmart. We had Sky City. 
And it was a time that even a world and a nation, it seemed like the whole nation was put on hold for a day. And it was a time of reverence. During those times, there was a reverence for the house of God. People didn't throw trash in the churchyard. Churches didn't have to put up gates across the driveway to keep the hell from going on behind the church and then get criticized because they put the gates up today. There was a time uh, we used to pray, God, may there be such Holy Ghost conviction at the house of God that sinners can't even drive up and down the road. And the proof of that is being in this church and other churches that I've been in is people would come up and down the road and get convicted. They'd come in and, and later on they'd get saved and their life be changed. But we live, uh, in the day and hour that we live today, we've seen a day go by and I noticed today, I, I got on, just sitting on my phone flipping through and the, the, the headlines for today. I searched for something about Easter. The popes had a little bit of something to say which was basically a lie. Yeah, it sounds good, but God's not in that mess. Very few things, and it talked about maybe, you know, some Easter egg hunts and things that they've done for the kids. Just a couple of things. Channel 3 News didn't list anything about this day, what it means to you and to me. The second and only other country to be founded on the Word of God besides Israel we live in today and it seems like that Easter and the, the risen Savior, Jesus Christ and the risen Savior is just something, and I've heard it said several times today, said across a man uh, Friday morning, he said, it's a shame that people don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to know the truth. And folks, there's a lot of men of God today and hour that we live, they profess to be men of God. They don't even want to preach about Jesus because it's going to offend somebody and it's, it's going to put people out the door and they would rather have the crowd and the numbers to sustain their living rather than to preach the truth and stand before a holy God. And today, today's headlines talked about Trump's tax returns makes the news headlines, but nothing about a risen Savior. Talks about Korea and their, their failed missile test but nothing about a risen Savior. It talked about those 100 people that were killed in Syria by the ISIS people uh, that because they professed their Christianity, and, and some of them don't even, but yet that's the news headlines. But Easter and a risen Savior don't even make the headlines anymore. Well, folks, that's a shame and disgrace on our part. Today is... Today, we celebrate Christmas. We make a big deal out of Christmas. Hallelujah, it's Christmas time. We, we, our clothes change, our attitudes change, the spirit changes uh, in our family, in our home. It's an exciting time. But folks, Jesus could have been born. He was born. And he lived for 33 and a half years. But if he had not died and come out of that tomb, you and I would just be serving. There would just be another tomb. There would just be more grave clothes, another grave stone. But thank God this morning, or this evening, that he didn't stay in that tomb. And we had a subject tonight. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about what sin steals from the believer. You and I can let this happen in our hearts and our life. The sins of this world can steal away our joy and our peace and our knowledge of knowing who Jesus is. Praise God, the preacher said we ought to bring God our best. We ought to give Him the very best that we have. 
sin is a thief. And it robs a man of everything that's most important in life. But thank God this, this afternoon that the sin question is being taken care of. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried. He arose for our sins. He lives at the right hand of God. And folks, today, according to the Scripture, that if a man believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he's not going to suffer that eternal penalty for sin or the second death for sin, that we've been set free and we're going to live forever. We have a home in heaven. And our eternity is settled. I'm going, I'm going to heaven tonight, not because I go to Solid Rock Baptist Church. I'm not going to heaven tonight because, uh, I, I, perf- I am what I am. I'm not, I'm not going to heaven for who I am. I'm not going to heaven because I, I married Karen. I'm not going to heaven because I got two kids. I'm not going to heaven because I read my Bible. I'm not going to heaven because I pray. I'm not going to heaven for all that stuff. I'm going to heaven tonight. You're going to heaven because you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I like what Brother Jeff, he taught our Sunday school this morning. He kept saying over and over how the Holy Spirit of God convicted him and drawn him to that place where he can be saved. And folks, if the Holy Spirit of God's not never uh, convicted you of your sins and drew you to that place where you know you're a lost, hell-bound sinner, then you need to get saved. You can't live good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough or anything else to go to heaven. And sin has stowed away the truth out of your heart and your life. And you're believing in a lie. If you do not know absolutely for sure that you're going to heaven. And folks, because we're saved, sometimes we think, okay, I'm free from sin. I can do what I want to. You sure can. You still have, we have a choice to make every day we live. We can do right or we can do wrong. We're all still robed in flesh. We can still do wrong. But there are consequences of sins in a believer's life. And if you sin after you're a child of God, you'll find that sin is still a robber. For a man of God, a uh, 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 Holy Ghost called, God called, Holy Ghost separated, independent, fundamental, Baptist, fire and brimstone preacher can still fall from the grace of God. And he can sin, can steal, sin, sin can steal away his right, if you will, or his qualifications to preach the word of God and pastor a church. The same for a deacon, the same for an usher, the same for the choir director, the same for the member, the same for the associate pastors, the same for the youth directors. The same thing. Sin can still steal away. But thank God this morning, it cannot steal our sonship. Uh, you might not feel worthy to be called a son of God. You might not think you're good enough, but that it ain't by feeling just because you trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation. And although, yeah, we're going to have doubts about our salvation, that's just the devil telling us, well, if you was really saved, you wouldn't do this. If you was really saved, you wouldn't do that. Well, if you're saved or if you're robed in flesh, you're still capable of doing anything that sin will do. That's why God gives us, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we pray and we ask God to forgive us and we move on. And when Satan comes back and says, you're a hypocrite, God, I ask forgiveness for these sins. Yeah, I did. I did sin. I did come short. But I confess those sins and I ask God to forgive me. So God wants us to understand. There in verse 25, he said, Your your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholding good things from you. All that sin's going to do is rob away and steal away all the good things that God has for you and I. God wants us to be warned that we don't need to let sin into our home, not sin into our heart or sin into our life. And sin will take away the good things. He said there in verse 25, withhold the good things. Folks, I don't know about you, but I want everything God has for me. 
I want everything God has for me. What can sin steal away from the believer? Number one, still sin steals a good conscience. John chapter 8 and verse 9, And when they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. All men are sinful and guilty of serious sin. These men here that were about, they were wanting to stone this woman. They were testing him out. And see, the woman was guilty of the sin. She was guilty. The law said she could be condemned to death. And her accusers and the people, they were right, legally justified in their law and in their charge against this woman. Jesus said that the stones could be cast, but he put a condition. He that's without sin, you cast the first stone. Jesus didn't tell them they couldn't cast the stones. But he did say, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. And see... Every one of them were convicted in their own conscience. They had sinned. They knew who they were. And Jesus said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And see, casting stones this evening is not based on how much Scripture a person knows. It's not on how great a person's calling and gifts are, nor the position of a person has. But it's based on good, moral, goodness, perfection, And no man has achieved that. You and I have no right to cast no stones at no one. 1 Timothy 1 and 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. But notice here he talks, that word charity is another word for love. And notice where this, this, this kind of love comes from. It's a, its source is not found in men. It's just, It does not just arise out of the heart of the man. You can't just get there on your own. You can't love like this without God in your heart and without God manifesting His love through you. That love which we're to know and possess comes from three sources. Number one, love comes from a pure heart, a heart given by God and cleansed from all impurities, a heart that is not weighed down by selfishness, worldliness, envy, covetousness, and immorality. Love comes from a good conscience, a conscience that knows that there's nothing between it and God. This kind of love comes out of a pure heart. You're right with God. It comes from a good conscience that knows that everything's all right between you and God. And love comes from an unfeigned or a sincere faith, a faith that's set upon God and His Word, that holds to God's Word and trusts and teaches God's Word and God's Word only. See, the end of God's commandment here is of all that God has ever said to, to man is love. Just love. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and all things to be added unto you. We're to love our neighbors as ourselves. And see, here's the thing. Uh, a true believer commits his life to learn more and more about the love of God and to teach the love of God more and more. But to do this, we've got to be totally committed to having a pure heart before God. That means always having a conscience about what we're saying and what we're thinking and what we're doing. To having a a good, clear conscience before God. So when Satan comes by and buffeting us and warning us, oh, you're just a hypocrite. You ain't real. You ain't this. You ain't that. You done this and that and the other. Yeah, Satan, I know. But God's not looking at me. He's looking at the blood that was applied to, to the doorpost of my heart. And also be totally committed to following the faith. And that's teaching and, and living the doctrine of God's Word. 
1 Timothy 4, 1, 2, 2 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared, their conscience seared with a hot iron. Sin will remove our purity of thought. It will remove a pure heart. The sin. It will, the perception about right and wrong. Sin will take it away. Sin, you'll always, you'll say, well, it's a gray area. It's no gray areas with God. You're, it's either sin or it's not. And the day and hour that we live, uh, it's a shame. In the, uh, Easter Sunday, we're living in a nation, in a world today, that you won't, almost saying the word conscience is like death act. Hardly anybody, it seems, in this world today has a conscience. Watch the news. My soul, what people are doing to their little children. It's one thing to do it to an adult. My soul, what they, people are doing to little children it is absolutely... These people, folks, they have a, they have a conscience. They... Teen, the, the, the purity of thought and heart, the perception about right and wrong, sin will steal that away. And, and young folks today, and teenagers, and it's not just teenagers, but it's, it's all of us. F- folks, sin will steal away your innocence. Sin, sin will steal away your purity. It will steal away everything that God has for you. God said all these things, all the good things. God says, God said here, your iniquities have turned away these things. God's not going to honor sin. No matter what government or what newscaster or any other idiot that gets up on TV and says, well, this is all right. It's not okay to kill babies. It's not okay for two men to be married. It's not okay for two women to be married. It's sin. And God says, these things, I'm going to withhold these things because you're iniquities. And see, we live in a world today, everybody talks about peace, peace, peace. Folks, sin steals away the peace. You and I this morning, or this evening, can allow Satan to steal away our peace. We're always in contention. It's always a battle. It's always something. We can't have that peace of normal. God's going to take care of this. But you say, well, you don't know what my big, is, what my big this is. Well, I remember David. I remember his this was a bear. I remember his this was a lion. Then I remember his big this was Goliath. But David remembered that bear. He remembered that lion. And he looks at this Philistine. He said, hey, you're going to die. I'm going to take your sword and cut your head out. I mean, that's just amazing. But that is believing God. David didn't crawl under a rock because Goliath was bigger than he is. And folks, our problems and the things that we go through in the day and hour that we live, they're going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Trump does not have the answers. I like what he's doing. I don't agree with everything he's doing. But my God, I thought it's kind of amazing. His tax head, his, his tax returns, they're marching in the streets wanting to see his tax return. That's amazing to me. Bless God, they wouldn't march in the street for nothing else. I mean, it just blows my mind. The, the conscience of the people of what's really important. But sin, folks, steals away the peace. Sin will make you anxious over things and it'll make you angry very quickly. You ever met people that you, you see them coming? You know, people, they, they just have a spirit of anger. They get mad about everything. 
I've known people, they get mad about not having nothing to be mad over. And if they, don't, they ain't got nothing to get aggravated about, they'll, they'll make up something. Bless God, so-and-so has done this, so-and-so done that. Look at that idiot going yonder. Look at this and that and the other. My soul, there's enough. But not only sin steals a good conscience, sin steals peace, but sin steals a good countenance. The first currency of countenance in scriptures in Genesis 4 and 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. In Isaiah 3 and 9 the Bible says, The show of their countenance doth witness against them. And they declare their, their sin as Sodom. They hid it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Sin will give you an oversad countenance. Sin will give you... An overly stern countenance. Have you ever looked at somebody and you know immediately something's wrong? Whether it's good or bad, you know something's wrong. I like when you look at people and say something good, they ain't got a smile on their face. But boy, it breaks my heart when I see people and you know something's bad or wrong. Something's just not right. Their countenance changed. And sin can give you an overly scarred countenance. It's people become victims. They look and the, all that's built up against them, like the preacher preached of, there's so many things stacked up and, and they've allowed those things, no matter what they are, but it comes down to the sin of us just not believing God. Unbelief is the biggest sin you and I deal with and because it robs us of everything. But see, sin, uh, sin steals good character. I, I mean, I've known people in my life, man, I thought, there, I mean... My money's on them. If there's anybody going to succeed, it's going to be them. You know, and, and you just, they're just good character. They're just impeccable. It's like they do everything right. They don't make a mistake. You know, and sure, they make a little mistake. But I'm talking about when it comes down to rock solid, man, they're rock solid. But sin can steal away good character. Reputation is what you think you are, but character is really what you are. Character is who you are when you're in the dark. Character's who you are when you're by yourself. Character's when you don't have to answer to nobody but yourself. Realizing there's a God in heaven looking on. You know, we might refer to this as a manner of life. 2 Timothy 3.10 But thou hast fully known my doctrine. Excuse me. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. Sin corrupts our hearts inside. And then... It corrupts our habits outside. What's in us is what comes out. It's not what goes in, but it's what comes out. And when our heart's not right, and we allow that sin in our hearts, and, and it gets inside of us, and folks, it's going to come out. It's going to be. It's going to come out in anger. It's going to come out in other ways. And uh, and see, uh, in the day and hour that we live, we're talking about that we've allowed these things to steal away the good things, but we don't have to. I don't know what's in your life tonight that Satan may have stole away from you or sin has stole away from you. But it's not the end of the road. Wherever you're at tonight, start right there. Start right there and go the other way. Turn around and say, I'm not doing this no more. Uh, whatever it might be. And see, folks, not only will sin steal these things, but sin will steal our joy. And I tell you, you know, you walk into a place, yeah, I'm saved, bless God. Had to go to church twice yesterday. It's Easter. My God, didn't get to finish off that roast beef and them pinto beans, a half a cake of cornbread, went to bed, bad in a whole jar of Duke's mayonnaise just went plumb off the table. I had to throw that in for the preacher. I know how much he likes mayonnaise. 
And we're going to miss all the pieces because of something that maybe didn't go right today or something that didn't. And, and it becomes, it distills our joy. David said in Psalm 51, 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Restore that joy. Sin can steal away our joy. Sin can steal away our peace. Sin can steal away our good conscience. Still can send away a, a good heart, a pure heart. And see, uh, Galatians 5 and 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. You can't be filled with sin and be filled with the Spirit at the same time. And God wants us to, God, God gave us life and life more a abundantly. God wants us to have a good life. He wants us to have all the good things. But He said, you're not going to get those good things if you got sin in your life. You're not going to get those things. You won't enjoy the people of God's family. I, ever since I got saved and started, uh, got in church and started going to church and, and, and being around people, uh, I noticed right off the bat, I wasn't no rocket scientist, but I thought, man, when people get a little, the first place they quit is God. That's the first place they quit. They don't quit. And the preacher said this a million times. He said, they don't quit going to Walmart. They don't quit going to work. They don't quit going to the gas station. They don't quit going to the chicken house. They don't quit going. Now, the chicken house, I mean KFC. I don't mean the kind where you raise them at. But, but I don't think there are none here tonight. But I'm saying, it, you know, but bless God, we're going to quit God. Just, uh, just quit God. Because we don't want to be around God's people. Because they're going to look at us and say, hey, there's something wrong with them. The spirit that's inside of them is going to bear witness with your spirit. Something ain't right. Something ain't right. And see, you'll find it very easy to have excuses, and, and, and it's easy to come up missing church. Well, I was a supervisor over there, in the, and I've told you this story before, over at uh, Premier Desk, and a man called in to work, and he said, well, uh, pre- uh, well, he didn't call me preacher, but he said, uh, I can't be at church today, my shoes are froze to the front porch. <laughs> well, you take a, about three days, they'll be thawed out. You'll get that later. Your shoes are froze to the front porch? Did you not know you was coming to work tomorrow? Bring the shoes in the house. You snow on the porch, man. I mean, but we we and see also not only, but you won't enjoy the fam people of God. You you'll find it easy to make excuses, and you won't enjoy the preaching of God's book. You come in already ticked off, and you sit down, cross your legs, throw you set your Bible down if you even bring it. And listen to what the man of God's got to say. And the first thing he says you don't like, you've got an excuse to leave. That's right. Amen. Sin will steal away your place at the house of God if you give it a place. It's not my job tonight. I'm not up here trying to fix nothing. I'm preaching on what sin steals away. But sometimes, just just being a child of God, let alone being on staff of the church and being with the preacher and and dealing through the years of, of you see you see people make that first step down this path, and you say, "Oh my God, don't do that." And you think, "Well, maybe it won't happen to them because you want to think the best, but it's not them, and it's not the church, it's not the preacher, it's the sin." That, that people, uh, they don't realize is they just don't want to hear what thus saith the Lord because sin is doing a work. It's stealing away. It's stealing that place away that they had with God. Not only that, but number six, sin steals good communion. 
Isaiah 59, 1 through 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. Amos 3, 3 says, Can two walk together except they be agreed? Folks, we need to be in communion. Matter of fact, we better be. God commands us to be in communion. But he said, the Lord's hand's not shortened, he cannot save, and his ear's not heavy, he cannot hear, but your iniquities. Folks, that's one thing I don't know about you, but I don't want nothing in my life that's going to separate me from calling on the Lord. When I, when I go to God, I want God to know exactly who it is and my need. He already knows before I ask him, but I want him to know, that's Ronnie, and here he comes again. Amen. Because I want that communion with him and that fellowship with him. And I know the heart of our pastor, that's the kind of communion that we need to have when we get with one another, that our church can go to God. One thing our church is noted for is a praying church and a giving church. And I want to be the one that's in that crowd that does pray. Might not can't pray exactly like I should or like I want to sometimes, but I can still pray. You can pray walking through the aisles at Walmart. And a matter of fact, if you go on, when we go, you better be praying. <laughs> but... But God wants us to have that communion with Him. And see, if we don't have that communion with Him, we'll, we'll become ignorant of God's affection. God don't love me no more. Because you've lost that communion. If we don't have communion with one another, you think, well, they're mad at me. They don't like me no more. They hate me. I pay so-and-so in Walmart, and they didn't even, they didn't even, they walked past the end of the aisle, and I was coming up to the other end, they didn't even see me. They, didn't, they must be mad. They must be... But sin will steal away the the affection that we have for of ignorance of God's affection. Also, our sin, even though He still loves us, but we won't feel loved. And see, God's God's thinking don't change because our thinking changes. God don't quit loving us because we think He don't love us. And when we get, we allow sin to steal that away from us, we get ourselves in a dangerous situation that we want to be away from God's people, away from communion with God's people, and away from the Word of God, and away from the people of God, so the devil can isolate us. And when he gets you isolated, you are on the worst dangerous ground that you've ever been in in your life. And sin will get you there, and you won't even know that you're there until you look around one day and the door slams and God shows up. You say, oh God. Oh Lord. And then it don't matter about who said what, who done what, and where you at. It's, I need to get to God. I need to get to God now. I need to call the preacher. I need them praying. I need people praying. I need my church family praying. I need God. I need God. I need God. I need God. And thank God He loves us enough to slam that door. And to wake us up and help us to see. But sin will... We'll be ignorant of God's actions and what He's doing. And folks, one of the, you've heard this many times in this pulpit. One of the saddest times is when God's quit speaking. That's, that's a sad, sad. That's a that's a sad time. That's a very dangerous time. And lastly, sin steals a good crown. In Revelation three and eleven, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. You see, salvation is a gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And no man can take that from us. But crowns, on the other hand, have to do with a reward. 
Folks, I don't want to march into heaven after all Jesus has done for me. I don't want to march into heaven and, and have to stand before him and say, Well, God, I don't have nothing for you. I'm just here by the skin of my teeth. I don't have anything. I wouldn't let you use me. I didn't want to be involved in it. I thank you for saving me, but I just didn't want no part of it. I'm only here because you made me come. It's almost what it's saying. But it has to do with a reward and a reign. Second Timothy 2.12 If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And folks, today in our that we live, sin is still in so much a way from our country and our nation that was founded upon the principles of the Word of God. It's us, the state that we live, this HB2 law. They say, they, they've done, now they've done away with it, and they're talking about the NAAC, NAACA, something other basketball thing. It, it, I tell you, if I was the governor, I'd say, I t- you take your balls and go home. Go play in somebody else's yard. That's their thinking. But the truth of the matter is, economically, if they're telling the truth, our state's doing better than it was ever been doing before. There's more jobs coming in. The economies are getting better. And this is going better. But yet they're, they're whining and crying over, we, we just want to come to your house and play ball. Well, go somewhere else. And take your balls with them and keep them. And because it's the sin. Folks, it's the sin that's stealing away. And, and, and what's so heartbreaking about it is every one of us is susceptible. Dr. Preacher preached last Sunday. Every time, every morning when we get up, we've got to make that decision. I'm not going to let sin steal things from me today. I'm going to try my very best to, to stay right with God. I want to keep my heart right. I want, to keep, I want my peace. I want my joy. That's all that gets me through the day is, is when I come home at evening to know, okay, God, I, I, done, I think I've done everything that you... Might have not done everything, God, but, but I've done what I think I could for you. Instead of saying, and spending two hours praying just to get right with God so you can thank you for not taking you out during the day. You ever spend any time like that? I have. <laughs> God, why don't you just why don't you just take me out? You know, you see these people, uh, what they're doing to kids, what's going on in our country, our nation. But thank God, uh, this ain't a political thing. But bless God, we got a president now. He's doing something. He ain't just sitting around saying, "Well, it'll be all right." We'll talk about it tomorrow. I'm not political size or nothing. I'm just simply saying, sin stole enough away from our nation. Sin has stole enough away. From our churches, sin has stole enough away from the men of God's life. Sin has stole enough away from the deacon's life, the the church members' life, the people that serve God, the lay people, the people that God loves and God's care for. We have sat so idly by sometimes and so become so lethargic that it don't even bother us. Thank God this 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 young lady came this morning, and Wednesday night Dale wasn't here, but he had four or five. Friends of his, he invited them to watch the live feed. And they were watching. And they were talking back and forth uh, and about how good it was. And one of them said, well, uh, Dale, it's been good, but i got to go. Uh, dinner's ready. And Dale says, exactly. <laughs> I think you meant that sarcastically. She said, well, it's i got to go. But I thought it was amazing. It was his sister this morning. And I told the preacher after service, I said, I thought when I talked to her, I thought, man, she's saved. She's saved. 
You know, it ain't by looks. Thank God we're in a place where the Holy Spirit of God meets with His people. That people that's never been in church here before can walk in and hear the Word of God and be saved and born again in the family of God. And she told me, standing back there in that aisle, she said, I, I just can't believe I came in and, and the Lord saved me. She said, I'm saved. And she was excited about it. You know, and that's just good, ain't it, preacher? Let's all stand to our feet and get out of Closed. Maybe tonight.